Hi, I'm Bert Broadhead, and welcome to Building Our Future, the podcast where we meet the people changing the way we design, construct, and utilize our built environment. Today, I traveled to Peterborough to visit Nick Fulford and viewed a prototype of the N House. I've had a variety of discussions with Nick in the year that I've known him and always find them fascinating. You won't find anyone more open than Nick in terms of discussing his product and the market. When we first met, Nick had a great idea for a new housing concept. He wasn't entirely clear at that stage as to how it would be built, but he was certain it could be done. This may be one of those situations where being an industry outsider has worked in Nick's favour to some extent. At the same time, what he's achieved to date a record fundraise on Crowdcube, a built prototype, and a growing order book, a testament to the fact that personality and determination can overcome even the most entrenched of industries, especially when supported by a great idea. I've had the very great privilege today of heading up to Peterborough to visit the first prototype of, of Vienna House. So Nick, we've, uh, we've been speaking for about a year now when I first met you uh, back in Mipim and the Vienna House was a concept. A, a concept, uh, a, a glint in the eye. Well, maybe a little bit more than that, but certainly we didn't have much more than an idea and some designs and some renders. And what we were really doing at that point was just trying to determine whether our new approach, our new idea, was actually going to get any traction, whether anybody like your good self might see it and think there was a future in it. Um, And they did, and that's why we're here. And that's why you're in the sun-blessed Riviera that is Peterborough this cold afternoon seeing uh, an almost finished N-House 3. Uh, Yeah, enjoying the uh, pretty much Arctic temperatures of of April Peterborough. (laughs) For people who are listening either either at their computers or on their iPhones, I would recommend just having a look at your website so you can see what we're talking about. So the, the link for that is the-nhouse.com. But perhaps we could start by you just explaining a little bit more about what N-House is. Well, I guess N-House started as an idea and it started as a challenge and Going back to 2016, um, I was looking to buy an off-site modular house and I couldn't find what I was looking for. Um, I was wanting something contemporary, the kind of thing you might see on Grand Designs. I wanted to have something that was modern, green, um, high-tech. Um, and I looked at what was available on the marketplace and there was a lot of quite traditional looking buildings uh there was some quite good stuff from germany and austria and scandinavia but i couldn't find a uk manufacturer making an affordable grand design and as somebody with a marketing research sales background uh, i found that rather astonishing so i went down to see richard richard howell evans uh, an old friend and a world-class architect and i said richard why can I not find this thing I'm looking for? Why is the industry not making it? And he replied, nonsense. He said, there'll be loads of people out there making what you describe. Architects have been talking about modular for years. And a couple of weeks later, he got in touch and said, nope, can't find it. 
and there was that kind of moment when your eyes connect and you the a penny a very large penny dropped and i said well look if you can design it i think there's a marketplace out there for this seems so simple at the time to come up with that concept didn't it but what followed then was i I guess really about a year of market research product development design engineering we spoke to everybody from the house building sector modular sector developers estate agent home buyers we wanted to get everybody's data everybody's uh, desires recorded before we even started to create the in-house and then what you saw in 2017 at MIPIN was our first design and we came away from MIPIN feeling uh, very buoyed up very confident that we were on the right track so much so that we were prepared to um, well I was prepared to leave my full-time job running uh, a marketing agency and Richard was prepared to give a lot of his time uh, as an architect over uh, and we were prepared to put a lot of money into this for us to then be able to raise sufficient money to create a prototype and create the company and we thought well how are we going to do this are we going to go to traditional investors they have a tendency to uh, want the kitchen sink and we're a house for people on average income, so we wanted people to invest. So we decided that we'd be the first company in the UK in this sector to crowdfund. We did that. We raised a million pounds in a couple of weeks. We were one of the fastest raises that they had in 2017. And then that allowed us to develop our partnership for manufacturing, to create our prototype, to create our brand, to get our protection in place. So can we come back to the, the funding in in a moment? But your your real ambition seems to be that, I mean, you're really changing the way that A, customers are looking at houses and, and B, how they're delivered. So I suppose the idea of the in-house is you go online and you order a house to your specification that comes on site and you can construct it effectively in less than a week. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we're basically an off-site constructed house, primarily using cross-laminated timber. Uh, we create our house in modules, quads, um, that run down a production line that then assemble to, on a building site to create the finished house. So that's our particular system of creation and delivery. I mean, going back to that point about why we're different, as again, somebody involved in marketing and customer experience and brands, I couldn't believe how dysfunctional the house building industry in the UK was. On one level, you had incredibly unhappy customer base. Only one in four people, according to Reba, actually wanting the, the products made by house builders. Three quarters of people don't want a new build. And that's not common. That's very unusual for the world. And then you have customers. Do you think that is to do with design or, or build quality? Or, Everything. Right. For, you know, if you look at that Reba research into home building, it's because they're so poorly designed. I mean, you know, we do describe a lot of the new builders' noddy boxes, don't we? we no one is 
particularly positive in their description of these new estates that are cropping up across the country. But it's funny because you go to different countries and, and everyone has their own um, housing aesthetic style. And I guess the, the view is just generally that because it's there, it's it's what people want. And it's never really challenged in terms of you know, architectural style. Well, why, why would you else? challenge it? If you were part of the 12 big major house builders, why would you challenge yourself when it came to quality design delivery the post purchase experience you're making a huge amount of money your business model is pretty much successful who knows you may even be sharing a hundred million pound bonus amongst uh, key shareholders so the level of pressure upon the house building sector to respond to the unhappiness of the marketplace to their products to the design of their products to the construction of their products to the post-purchase experience of their products is minimal and again that comes because we have this weird monopoly in the uk where the majority of houses come from 12 companies you know that is again totally uncommon in the rest of the developed world so very very dysfunctional and broken industry so much so that house building brands end up on the front page of the daily mail um, with, you know, Bovis botch job. Right. You know, that's a brand killer. And you only get into that position after years of prioritizing profit and the returns for the market as opposed to customer experience. So from Enhouse's perspective, we weren't coming along to a highly successful industry which had a lot of customer loyalty within it and a lot of respect and saying, how do we crack into this? What we were saying is, we can create an alternative that actually gives customers a great experience. I don't know about you, but buying a house is the most expensive thing you ever buy, right? Sure. If you were buying a very expensive car, you would expect to wander into that showroom and be treated like a king or a queen. Really well looked after. Please take this car for the weekend. Have a coffee. You know, what can we do for you? How can we make this a really great experience? You've just bought your car. You're now part of the club. Most people look at buying a house as a horrifically stressful experience that they have to go through. There's no pleasure in it, except maybe at the other end when they're finally in their new home. Mm. We can change that. There's no reason fundamentally why it has to be like that. It's only because the customer has been a minor part of the equation for house building businesses. And we're going to change that. You know, We are absolutely putting the customer at the heart of the process and what's really clear from walking around your your prototype is the emphasis is really on uh modernity of design you mentioned grand designs it does have that kind of feel to it it's not a traditional new build house in that sense and i think the other two elements are sustainability and technology the, the design is really interesting because there's an argument that i hear that says oh people aren't interested in you know sort of quite contemporary buildings that what they want is a modern house that looks a little bit like an old house a bit georgian a bit victorian and yet when it comes to the actual program grand designs which is where people have been let rip with their own budget to create their own homes you virtually never see anybody creating a bigger georgian house or a bigger victorian house actually people do want contemporary design and when we created the first designs for the end house we did a nationwide research program uh, quantitative research and we went out to over uh, i think uh, 1100 house buyers and we 
took the house that is made by the UK's biggest selling uh, home builder and we took our house and we used their marketing materials and our marketing materials and we gave them an equivalence on price, same number of bedrooms. And we said to people, what would you rather have? Would you rather have this traditional looking kind of red, red brick box or the end house, which is a bit more contemporary and different? We were hoping to get maybe 25, 30% of people saying that they wanted something a bit more modern and contemporary. Uh, instead, we got a 72% preference rating. So two out of three people, when given the chance of choosing between a traditional style new brick box or, or a contemporary house, chose the contemporary house. It's astonishing. Why are they still making these houses? Because they've, they know how to do them. Mm -hmm. They've got the process to do them. They've got the people to do them. They've got the design sitting in a drawer that they know how to, to just about make them. And what choice does the consumer have? None. So they buy them. And then there's that post-purchase justification. Well, we sold everything on this estate, therefore people want more of the same. This fits in quite nicely with something we, we spoke about in our last episode with Mark Farmer about the current method of building houses being stretched in any case, mainly due to labour shortages and as a result, quality being placed under pressure. You're building things in a totally new way. So we're sat here in your new factory premises. Can you tell us about how Vienna House is, yeah. is built? It's bizarre that we don't do more houses in factories because um, let's say but I decided to build you a BMW and I will give you two options. The first option is I will come to your house and in your driveway in the rain and the wind and the, the snow, I will build your BMW. Now, I've never quite made that BMW before and I'm going to be using lots of people to help me make it and it's going to be exposed to the elements. I have a rough idea of how long it's going to take and a rough cost, but that may change. Or I can give you a BMW that is made on a production line, which is quality controlled, checked, made again and again and again, has fantastic division of labour, and then is delivered to you once it's been checked. Which would you rather have? Well, you'd be crazy to go for the one built on your driveway. And yet that, in essence, is actually what we're doing with houses. We're creating these huge estates where nobody has a clue what anybody's doing in one corner of the, of the housing estate. So this is why we see these horror stories about walls collapsing and insulation not being put in and hammers being left inside walls, all this sort of right, stuff. Well, it's, it's very difficult when you're, especially when you're on a big site, ensuring standardisation of labour is... And, is and qu quality, quality of labour. Yeah. And, you know, the, the unexpected costs and the transport that's involved for the, the workers on the site... The whole thing is is really, really difficult. So whereas here, you are effectively... Um... I think of it like a car production line. Okay. The material, you know, a house will go down a production line, being added to, being checked systematically from one point to the next. So you're ordering in components That's and, so, and you are assembling them in a standardised and quality controlled manner. Checking every single point as we go along, from mechanical, electrical, through to the window, so that when we get to the point of saying, right, this part of this house, this, this module of this house is now ready to be wrapped and delivered, it gets checked finally, and we know that it is snag-free. So that is saving us time, money, energy, later on having to correct mistakes. And snagging is one of the biggest issues of the industry we have. You know, when people are calculating the, the costs of building, 
they so often forget the cost of, of snagging and how much snagging is needed. So we're big exponents of factory production because it is more efficient, it's faster, it's high-tech. We have a lot less wastage. We have about 6% wastage of materials as opposed to, I think, it's about 20% on-site. It's also greener because we are involved, we're having a lot less traffic, noise, and congestion to building sites. So if you think about a normal site, you might have prelims, groundworks, foundations, and then the build going on over 12 months right with all the traffic every day and pollution and noise that that involves with us you've still got the site clearance and the prelims and the groundworks and the foundations but then we bring the finished modules to a building site and in a matter of weeks each house is completely finished and we bring that house to the building site on four lorries with a crane well one house four lorries yeah, well, if it's a big house, if it's an N-House 4+, Plus, we, we need five. But when we actually arrive on site, it takes us approximately two days to put five houses together. And then the extra extra time after that is what we call the zipping up process, connecting all the, the services. Right, and I, I should explain to everyone that you've, you've got this pretty clever system where your your house comes in, these four modules. And That's right. And the modules are fully fitted out, and you, you were literally clicking them into place, yeah. at which point all the wiring, all the guts of the property yeah. click together. All the mechanical electrics will connect yeah. together, that's right. And it's, you know, that's why it's quite hard to do what we're doing because we've spent a lot of money and time and, and in design and engineering in order to create a house that can click together and can seamlessly fit together once on site. And you can't just take a, a house that you would normally create on a building site, cut it into four, and then transport those bits, it would all fall apart. Other than the pressure on, on the traditional build, which we've already spoken about, the timing's really working in your favour for two other factors, one, one of which is sustainability, which has been talked about for 10 years, but I think you are kind of really demonstrating now that it has a, a genuine value. So, and that ties in, sorry, with my second point, which is the quality of build, which mm. you're achieving via your process. Yeah. There's a stigma attached to prefab yes. or offsite, which I think is now starting to be overcome. And it's going to be borne out with the figures that you're showing in terms of your, your heat retention and yeah. what it will cost to run an yeah. in-house versus what it will cost to run a traditional house. We obviously would have um, wanted, and we do, make a quality product uh, anyway. But particularly because there has been a preconception from the past about prefabrication, that it was, you know, temporary. We're very keen to address that. And so the quality of materials that we use within the N-House, from the cross-laminated timber that comes to us from the Austrian or the Spanish mountains, to our windows being um, supplied by uh, Velfac, our bathrooms being supplied by Vitra. Uh, We formed a partnership with Habitat, um, our, our kitchens come from Pepper. The reason why we have these really high quality partnerships in place is because they're offering good, innovative products with long warranties on them. So, for example, our, our roof is from Tata and it's got a 40 year guarantee on it. Um, our core construction material, the CLT, comes with a 60 year guarantee on it. And how does that compare to traditional traditional house builder product? Well, I suppose if you went along today and decided to buy a house. On a new estate, you'd be looking at a standard 10-year NHBC warranty on it. We want to go well beyond that. 
so that people have a surety that the house is going to be very long-lasting. And people say to me, well, how long will an end house last? And I say, well, look, it's a precision wooden house. It's built a lot better than a lot of the houses in the Elizabethan area that you still see around Stratford-upon-Avon and also throughout Europe. So as long as it's well-maintained, it's got a lifespan in excess of 400 years. So yeah, CLT, just just yeah. to pick up on that, I mean, this is this is a, you know, I think it's becoming more, uh, people are becoming more aware of it, but this is cross-laminated timber. It's great material, yeah. Great material, yeah. So the, the, the first thing to know about this is we're taking it from sustainable forests. Um, everything we take from the Austrian forests or the Spanish forests is replanted by our suppliers. Um, the wood is stone timber. It's grown above a thousand feet. It's very, uh, it's softwood, but it's it's very high quality. It's then cut, uh, laminated, um, and at that point, when the laminates are connected in say three or four or five layers, it's then cut again, and we can cut joists or, or parts out of it that are two millimeter precision. The CLT not only is incredibly strong, but it also has flexibility. And for us, making a house in modules and then delivering them, which means lifting them, driving them on the back of lorries, it has enough give in it that it can cope with the sort of the the bumps and the strains that you might see in the normal delivery process. There's also this thing called this biomorphic response. Um, This is essentially how your body reacts to the exposure to natural materials. So if you've got exposed wood, which we have with our cross-laminated timber, there's a smell to it, there's a tactile sensation when you touch it, proven that your heart rate drops, which is good for your health. And the other side of CLT seems to be that from a from a worker's perspective, it's an infinitely better product to work with. You're not inhaling concrete dust or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, completely. But so it's interesting. So there, there are two sides to sustainability, really. There's, there's I suppose, the soft side, which yeah. is knowing that your house comes from sustainably sourced products mm. and you have the biomorphic effect. And then, I suppose, there's the cold, hard facts, which I think you are going to be able to point to, which is that your house will cost you less to run in terms of your, uh, your utilities bills. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've tried to design the end house to be the greenest eco most eco-friendly house at its price point in the uk so not only does the we're using sustainable wood which we capture carbon when we cut that wood down we have minimum site building site traffic as well but the insulation layers that we place within the house mean that it's a kind of a step down from being passive so incredibly low costs to run that house um hundreds of pounds a year rather than thousands of pounds a year uh we come with a power wall two from tesla house battery that's connected to a pv system so the ideal being that you are collecting power from your solar array that's going into your battery and this is on the roof this is on the roof right. or on the carport okay you're also pulling in power from the national grid at low cost times and then your house battery is giving you enough power uh, to operate your house all day every day and that's making it very very efficient there are a couple of um elements about the the tech that Enhouse are embracing which which I really like one is from the customer's perspective you walk into the Enhouse and it's clear that technology is at the heart of the heart of the design so you've got the Tesla wall power um but you've also got I mean it's a smart house effectively so the, the heating and all the various appliances are hooked up to a centralized 
Yes, system. that's right. We, we have a home management system, which in a, a house at this price point is really unusual. Think about it like this. It used to be that only the most expensive cars had power-assisted steering and electric windows. And eventually that technology comes down to cars at the average price point and then at the lowest price point. How do they do that? Through standardisation and including those, uh, including it within the production of, of standard vehicles. What we've said is, well, actually, there is no reason why a house at this price point should not have a home management system incorporated into it, as long as it's a standard feature and it uses uh, standard technology and does standard things. Um, it's when you get to be really bespoke that it starts to become expensive. And technology's important not only in terms of being able to control the house, but also in terms of exciting consumers. It's why the car industry spends so much time and money creating new gadgets and buttons and things that your car will do when you sit in it in the showroom. And for us, when people come into the house, we want them to not only appreciate the, the space and the light and the natural materials and, and architecturally it works, but also to go, wow, fantastic, and look at all this technology that we've got as well. I'd like to come back to how one goes about the the process of buying an in-house in a, yeah. in a moment. But I, I just want to pick up on a further technological thing, which I think you've been very smart about. So we, we, at the moment, we're building 200,000 roughly homes per year in the, in the UK, um, and we're looking to increase that. Modular seems to be, or off-site seems to be, you know, a great way of achieving that. But one of the potential pitfalls is going to be, if everyone's driving modular houses up and down the M1 on, on trucks, it's going to be problematic, particularly if they are they are wide loads and they come with their escorts and what have you. Whereas you have specifically managed to design your your modules so that they will fit on a on a usual a normal lorry load. So yeah, we have, uh, and again, this is all credit to uh, Richard, the the designer and the architect. He really did think through every aspect of the build. Um, a good example of that is that we've left within the end house. Uh, a structural space for a lift shaft for assisted living in the future. Um, we're trying to think about the adaptability of the end house for the full life cycle of people who might buy it. So you can buy your end house three, which is the three bed entry level house, but we can come along and put on the additional units to make it an end house four plus, which is a four bedroom with extra living space at a later date it's it's very easy for us to do that so we're just trying to think completely differently about this industry and about what people want and how they want their homes to evolve and change with them and what is the the level of demand and and who's it from are you, are you talking to developers or or individuals yeah so we, we we're here at the moment uh, talking in the middle of april and it was only at uh, the end of march that we officially opened the show house and the factory doors and opened the, the order book. We told everybody at MIPIN that we'd be doing that, and then we came back and we've done that. Uh, we are probably having about four or five appointments a day, mainly developers who are coming with a view to make volume orders. We've also got quite a few individuals who are interested, and we've had some of the big housing associations who are also looking at this as a solution the feedback we get on the price is very positive so for a developer for a volume buyer it essentially works out at 125 pounds per square foot that is bearing in mind a, a house that is 
designed by a top architect. It's very spacious. It's very lots of windows, high tech, very green, and using high quality materials. And, that, and that's for everything apart from groundworks and foundations. Yeah, you, we're presuming you've got the land at this point. But by by achieving that price point, we have been able to come to market with a, what we believe is a much better quality product than the majority of house builders can offer. And that's the feedback that we're getting at the moment. So we've two or three weeks of having uh, developers visit us and we've now been asked to push forward two schemes into planning, um, which given the the, the timescales with planning mean that we hope to be delivering our first houses to market um, late summer. Nick, I'm, I'm afraid we're slightly running out of time, but I do have uh, two further questions for you. Firstly, what's the payment profile in terms of buying a house? Is, do you pay 100% upfront? No. So if you were, uh, and again, we're talking uh, for developers here, you would come along and place an order with us. That's 10% upon your order. Um, when the modules essentially have... Uh, plaster in them we ask for 40 percent and then there is another 45 percent upon completion we're handing over the keys at this point and then a five percent retention six months and last question on uh, on n-house is it financeable for uh, for and buyers can you get a mortgage against them yes absolutely the, the thanks to accreditation organizations and auditors like bopass um, and also the evolution of the council of mortgage lenders mindset to support offsite uh, we've gone from a situation sort of five ten years ago where it was really hard to get a mortgage uh, or even finance for a development um, if you've got the correct accreditation in place now um, and you go to someone like build store and you're doing a one-off build you've got the major lenders all supporting build store for you to buy a house through you know you'd be looking at 90 percent mortgages on uh, the same interest rate you would um for uh, brick built houses and that's really spurring our industry on because the finance sector's got behind it we're going totally left field now <laughs> to a couple of a couple of final questions okay what's your favorite building what's my favorite building oh that's a very uh good question i'm quite partial i think to um proper Palladian architecture. Mm. And actually, I, I, in Clapham, in Clapham Common, there's a church called the Trinity Church, which I think is just the most beautiful piece of architecture for, from its time. Aside from uh, N-House, what, what innovation excites you in, uh, in the real estate field at the moment? Yes, I think the, the... And we've incorporated this into our offering. The evolution of zinc-coated ground screws that are piled in using uh, what look like mini JCBs that have ground radars integrated into them so they can avoid roots and pipes is going to transform the way we do foundations. It's so much quicker. It's so much less ecologically damaging to the earth. You know, we're not cutting massive trenches and filling them with toxic concrete. Um, That is interesting because that's something I know absolutely nothing about, (laughs) but clearly we'll have to read up on if anyone's been listening and wants to know more about Enhouse uh, or getting in contact with you, what's what's the best uh, best method? Yeah, come to the website uh, www.the-nhouse.com. Uh, on there, you'll find my email for nick.fulford at thenhouse.com, and um, do get in touch. We're offering 
viewings at the house. We're very happy to let anybody come and have a look around and see the show house. Um, we are here uh, in the delights of Peterborough, just off the A1, uh, most working days. I can highly recommend it. Nick, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you, Bert. Thank you. My conversation with Nick has left me with plenty to think about. At the heart of Nick and Richard's vision is the customer, and therefore concepts of quality and design. Nick's view is that the Grand Designs effect has awakened a large section of home buyers to the possibility of non-traditional design. He has some interesting market research to support this, but I'd love to see if the idea could be borne out further. What type of houses do buyers really want? What percentage of a market is really ready to move away from traditional design and construction? And can we quantify this? I'm intrigued by Nick's ambition for brand awareness and desirability. Certain house builders do already have this cachet, and I think it's got further to go. Will we soon see houses in the same way that we see car brands? Following on from this car analogy, customization is another interesting topic. How far should it go? Is car style specification really feasible? If not now, perhaps it can be in the future when these modular housing businesses hit scale. Nick sees off-site manufacturing as a means to improving quality control, productivity and delivery speed, while decreasing build wastage and carbon footprint of the construction process. All this is true, but it's also true that, for the majority of locations in the UK at present, the in-house still remains a more expensive build option than traditional build methods. It will be interesting, therefore, to see how this gap closes as efficiencies drive down in-house costs while traditional build costs potentially rise alongside ongoing, decreasing labour supply issues. All this doesn't mean that the in-house is about to replace existing housing industry. It doesn't need to. There's plenty of space for innovative newcomers. I imagine there will, however, be plenty of people watching to see how Nick gets on in the coming months and whether there are learnings that can be applied to the more traditional parts of the industry. If you enjoyed today's episode, please do rate the show on iTunes or share the episode link on LinkedIn. Helping to spread the word really helps in ensuring we have great people on the show. I'll see you next time when we'll be meeting a man taking on the traditional office leasing industry. Music